It certainly is great to be back this afternoon. Please open up your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. We'll begin our study here in just a moment. 1 John chapter 4. Hope and pray everybody had a great day today. Today is the first day of the week, and it certainly has been good to gather with family to remember our Savior Jesus Christ and can continue to study from the Word of God. We're thankful that we have visitors here with us. Thank you for being here with us. May God bless you. And if you have any Bible questions, questions we would love to uh, get together with you sometime and answer those questions. Now, if everyone remembered last month, uh, for the entire month, for the, for the most part, in September, we answered a number of Bible questions that people had. And I appreciate everybody that participated in that and reached out to family and friends and posted on Facebook and things like that. We had a number of Bible questions, and we uh, did our best to answer those Bible questions. All of those sermons are online to share with others. There were still some other questions that we just were not able uh, to get to, and so what I would like to do for the month of October is try to address a, a few more questions. Some of the questions, uh, you could really just do an entire lesson, and that's really my goal for tonight and for the next few weeks. There were some individuals from the community that had some questions, and so the great thing about this is that we have all these sermons online, so you can share this on Facebook, and you can email this, and you can point people to our website, and they'll be able to listen to these sermons, uh, whether they are here or not. And so tonight, I want to address one of these lessons. So I hope and pray that this will benefit those as they have questions from the Word of God, uh, and that they will find the the proper answers in the Scriptures. Lord willing, this Thursday, before we begin, I just want to say this too. We have a a special series of uh, Bible marking lessons that will begin this Thursday for the next four Thursdays here at the building at 7 p.m. every Thursday for the next four weeks. And I need, I need to know if you're going to be in attendance uh, because we're putting material together. I would encourage everyone, if you can, to come out and be a part of it. It would really help you out with respect to uh, studying the scriptures as we continue with this idea of evangelism and, and teaching the word of God to others. And so this special series will begin this Thursday. If you'd like to be a part of it, please let me know so we can have enough material ready. Well, it's going to be a day that we have never experienced, and I'm referring to the day of the rapture. On that day, there will be many who will be taken up with, to be with God forever, and sadly, there will be many left behind to experience years of tribulation. Now, that is not what I believe, but many people do. Do you know someone who believes in this idea of the rapture? The belief of the rapture is so widely spread and widely believed, very much like the idea of the sinner's prayer. I believe many people can be sincere-minded, but many people are just sadly mistaken when it comes to some of these teachings, including the sinner's prayer and the rapture. And many times these teachings are not even really challenged. Growing up, I had never heard of the rapture until the year 2000. I graduated from the University of Illinois, the best college ever, and I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? I graduated in 2000. And there's a series called Left Behind. Have you guys heard of that? The Left Behind series? I couldn't get enough of the books. They're, you know, the Left Behind series is this idea of the return of Jesus and the rapture that took place. I read the first one, and I had to find out what's going to happen in the second one. So I read the second one. I got to, like, book number eight or nine, and eventually I just gave up because the books just never ended. They just kept on going and going and going. But those books are really enticing, and they're, you know, they're fun to read, and you're trying to figure out what's going to happen and, and who's going to 
in and things like that. You see the Antichrist, and, and you have all of those different uh, individuals in the book. And many people are familiar with these books, and the concepts that are taught in these books, this idea there are going to be people left behind, so when Jesus returns, you know, a plane is going to crash because the pilot's going to be taken while individuals on the plane are still left behind. People in homes, the father or the mother is going to be taken up, and children and things like that are going to be left behind. And so these books have actually raised lots of questions. Is the rapture really true? Will people suddenly vanish and others be left behind when they have to survive the time of the tribulation or the Antichrist? Is this what the Bible really teaches regarding the end times, the return of Jesus? How would you answer these questions? The reality is I'm sure most of us know at least one person who may believe some of these things. And so how would you talk to someone who talks about or believes in this idea of the rapture. That's what I want us to consider tonight. We're going to look at a number of scriptures. I'll be more than happy to give my outline if you like it. I'm going to ask you to follow along with me. We're going to move kind of fast tonight. You can write these verses down, uh, but I'm going to ask you to, to, to read along with me. And We're going to study what does the Bible have to say about the return of Jesus? What Does the Bible say anything about this idea of the rapture and other issues? Now, Some may be thinking, why do we even need to study this topic? I think for a couple of reasons this topic is really good. This question is really good uh, because we are talking about something very important, the return of Jesus Christ, which is kind of a big deal. Secondly, culturally, there are so many different views regarding the return of Jesus Christ, so making sure that we... And thirdly, I would say this, that there are many false teachers in the world. And that's why I asked you to turn over to 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John 4 and verse 1, John in the first century, the apostle, warned and reminded the, the Christians, don't believe everything you may be hearing. In 1 John chapter 4, he said in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In verse number 6, he said, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. And so he wanted them to listen to the apostles, the words of the apostles. He is not from God, does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so Our job is to listen to what the apostles had to say concerning the return of Jesus and what the Bible has to say and making sure that we are not deceived. Almost every year, someplace in in Texas, maybe more so in southeast Texas, somebody will get a billboard and they would say the return of Jesus. It's always in October, right? Uh, He's coming back this month. It's always like that almost every year. And it gets news and publicity and things like that. What does the Bible have to say about the return of Jesus? Let's answer this, and let's look at some uh, Bible passages to help us along. Now, I'm going to give you about eight different thoughts here, so let's begin. Number one, when we think about the return of Jesus, all right, let's see, there it is. Let's see what the scriptures teach. Number one, we can know that Jesus one day will return. I want you to look over in Acts chapter one, and we're going to read verses nine, 10, and 11. Acts chapter one, verses nine, 10, 11. Make no mistake about it, Jesus one day will return. The context is when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven as he was speaking to his disciples, his apostles. In verse number 9, the Bible says, And after he had said these things, 
he was lifted up while they were looking on the apostles, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So these two men, I believe these two men to be angels, they told the apostles that just as Jesus ascended into heaven, one day he will return. Now there are other passages, but that there is sufficient to help us to see that one day Jesus will return. Number two, his appearing will be a literal and actual appearing. And again, we see this in Acts chapter 1. Notice what he said in verse number 11, the two men, they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky. This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And so in the same way that he ascended, they were going to be able, he was saying that he's going to return in the same will be a literal one, an actual one. He will return. Number three, when we think about the return of Jesus and what the Bible has to say, the Bible makes it very clear that the dead will rise, that the dead are going to rise when he returns. In John chapter 5, look over in John chapter 5 and look at verse number 28 and 29. John chapter 5 and verse number 28 and verse number 29. John chapter 5, verse number 28 and 29 as Jesus was speaking, John chapter 5, and actually I need to uh, uh, go, I'm in the wrong chapter here, that's why I looked a little bit weird. John chapter 5, verse number 28 and 29, Jesus said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. And so when he returns, all those who have died, all those will rise from the grave. And so that makes it very clear what else is going to happen at his return. We also know that everyone will know when the return happens. Now, we don't know exactly what day or what hour the return happens, but we know that when Jesus returns, we're all going to be aware of what is happening. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want you to look at verse number 13. As Paul was comforting the saints in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want you to see what he said here. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse number 13. Paul said, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Talking about those who had died. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Does that give you goosebumps thinking about that? That we're all going to know when this time happens. When that moment occurs, it's going to be unbelievable. And there's not going to be any mistaken about it. Uh, we're going to know that Jesus has returned. And the Bible said, uh, Paul said in verse number 17, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All men are going to know. It's not going to be something that's going to be hidden and some people know and, and other people do not know. Everyone is going to know. And so that's something else that we can know about the return of Jesus. Not only that, 
but those in Christ will be caught up in the air with him. We just read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And what an amazing trip journey that's going to be. The fact that we're going to be caught up in the air to be with him. And that becomes really important as we think about this idea that many people have that Jesus is going to return to establish some physical kingdom in Jerusalem. He's not going to do any such thing. We're going to be caught up in the air to be with him forever. So we know that. And those not in Christ... Well, those not in Christ will perish. We also can know that about the return of Jesus. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we find a scary passage here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 7, 8, and 9. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7, 8, and 9, Paul said, And to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's hard for us to even fathom how terrible that truly will be. Away from the presence of the, glo- of the Lord and the glory of his power. And yet the Bible is very clear. Those not in Christ will perish, which means what do we need to do? We need to make sure that, we're, that we get ready. Now is the time to get ready. There's not going to be individuals that are going to be left behind and have another seven years to try to fix things and to get a second or third chance. That's not in the Bible anywhere, my friend. So now is the day of salvation because when he returns, all the dead are going to rise. Those who are still alive, those in Christ are still alive, are going to be caught up in the air to be with him. And those who are not are going to be eternally separated with him. This is also important. When he appears, the earth is going to be destroyed. That's why nobody can be left behind. The books are really kind of fun to read, but they're not fact. The best book you need to be reading is the Bible. That's where we're going to find the truth about this. When Jesus returns, there will be no other chances. This idea of being left behind, we don't find that in the scriptures. What we do find is that the world is going to be destroyed. In 2 Peter, I'm turning to 2 Peter in my Bible, in 2 Peter chapter 3, we studied in 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning. In 2 Peter chapter 3, remember Peter reminded the saints of some things, even though they were already in the truth. He would also remind them in 2 Peter chapter 3 in verse 1, he said, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and the Savior spoken by your apostles. He would remind them about mockers and how they needed to remain with Christ and not to listen to those who would mock them about the return of Jesus. In verse number 9, he would tell them, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Somebody may think about that last point, those not in Christ will perish, and may be saying, well, that just seems a little bit harsh, that seems a little bit mean. How could God do something like that? Well, listen, God does not want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. How do I know that to be true? He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. He's given us deliverance from our sins if we will accept the free gift of salvation according to his terms. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And he's slow. Uh, He's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance, which is why today is the day of salvation. But the day of the Lord will come. So we have already seen that. He will return 
like a thief. There's another point I need to put up there. He will return like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. My friend, if everything is going to be burned up, then how can Jesus ever establish some physical kingdom in Jerusalem? It is just not going to happen, my friend. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? There's our motivation to strive for moral excellence because one day Jesus will return. You see, those passages give us a lot of information about the return of Jesus. And we haven't even looked at some of the passages about how our bodies are going to be changed and and things like that. But these passages right here, let me ask you a question. Can we all understand these passages? I think we all can understand these passages here. And what we can learn from this is that there's not going to be anyone left behind. There's not going to be anyone left behind. Now, I think these passages here are pretty sufficient. This may be the fastest sermon I've ever preached at West Main. But don't get too excited. I'm not done, okay? All right. Shame on you. All right. We got more. I got at least another 30 minutes. Okay. So let's answer some questions that people typically have. People typically have some questions. Okay. I hear all of this. Yeah, I know what these passages teach here. And, and I forgot this one. There will be no second chances for people. That's very important. But people still have questions. And so let's address some things. Sometimes people will ask, what about the last days? What does the Bible say concerning the last days? Well, that is language that we find in the scriptures. In fact, if you were here for our Ezekiel study, Ezekiel spoke about the last days. And many of the prophets spoke about the last days. Look over in Isaiah chapter 2. In Isaiah chapter 2 in the Old Testament, Isaiah the prophet spoke about the last days. This is language we find in the scriptures. This is biblical language we find in the scriptures speaking about a particular period of time referred to as the last days. In Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 1, Isaiah said this, he said, the word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, now it will come about that in the last days. So he's speaking about this future period of time, in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream into it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his paths or his ways and that we may walk in his paths for the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And certainly I believe he's pointing to what it was that Jesus was going to establish. What I want you to see though is that Isaiah spoke about the last days, about this period of time that was to come. When you go to Acts chapter 2, when Peter on the day of Pentecost was preaching the death, burial, and resurrection, he also spoke about the last days. And here's what I want you to see. When we think about this idea of the last days, what I want you to take home is that we are currently in the last days. This is biblical language, and we find it in the Old Testament. We find it in the New Testament. Here in Acts chapter 2, after the apostles had spoken in tongues, there were some that believed that the apostles were drunk in Acts chapter 2. And verse number 13, others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. 
But Peter, taking a stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Now listen to what he says here carefully. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days. You notice that in verse 17, I'm reading from the New American Standard. So what Peter is doing, he went back to the Old Testament to the prophet named Joel. And he was reminding those in, uh, in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost that the events that were taking place then, these are the events that Joel had spoken about. And the thing I want you to take home is that he said, Joel spoke about the last days. And now Peter is saying in verse 16, but this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. So what Peter is teaching here is that the last days had begun. That the last days that they were in, that period described as the last days. That becomes really important because some believe that the idea of the last days have not even come yet. But Peter is saying that in the first century, they were in now the last days, this period of time. There are actually some other verses that I think make this very clear. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want you to notice in verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we've been studying... Timothy, Paul, he's going to warn or remind Timothy of some individuals to avoid. And I want you to listen carefully what he says, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Notice that he said in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Remember back in verse 1, he said, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now look at verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power. Then he said, avoid such men as these. Do you see what I'm trying to get at here? Paul said that, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And he's describing these types of individuals. And then he told Timothy, avoid such men as these. So my point is this, how could Timothy ever avoid these men if the last days had not yet even come? How could Timothy avoid these men? He's living in the first century, and if we're saying the last days are thousands of years later, how could he ever avoid these men? He couldn't do that. So my point here is just to show you that the last days began, this period of time that we read about described as the last days, began in the first century. And so Acts chapter 2 helps us to see that Peter said, this is what Joel spoke about, that in the last days, speaking about those events, Paul is warning Timothy, avoid such men like this in the last days. That's got to happen at that point in time. Look over in Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 1, Hebrews 1 and verse 1, notice what the Hebrews writer said here. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, God throughout, uh, throughout the Old Testament would speak in a variety of ways uh, to the prophets and to the fathers. In verse 2, the Hebrew writer said, In these last days 
has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. What's the point? The point is the last days had already begun. We've been in the last days for a long period of time. The last days began in the first century. So this idea of the last days, hundreds of years or thousands of years in the future, that's simply not the case. We are currently living in the last days, this period this period of time. And so that's important that, uh, that we're in the last days. The Bible does say a lot about the last days. The last days began in the first century. Does that make sense? That's important to understand because so many times we're looking for something else that's going to be coming on the horizon. We're in the last days, and we've been in the last days for a long period of time. Let's consider something else that somebody may think about or may have a question about here. Uh, what about the rapture? You know, so many people talk about the rapture. And what about the rapture? And what about people being left behind? Surely the Bible says something about that, right? Well, no. The Bible says nothing about it. The Bible says nothing about the rapture. And I'm being serious here. The Bible says nothing about This idea of individuals being left behind is not from God. It is from man. And it must be rejected. When Jesus returns, no one is going to be left behind. And this is actually a really big deal. Because if we have this mindset, well, I can still get it right even after he returns and I can have this other chance, that ain't going to happen. And that's why this is so serious. When Jesus returns, we're all going to rise. The dead, the dead are going to rise. And we're either going to be with him or we're not going to be with him. So the Bible says nothing about the rapture. It says nothing about individuals being left behind. This idea is from men and not from God, and therefore, my friend, it must be rejected. Now, the Bible does speak a lot about Christ and his return. We've seen that. And it does say a lot about his appearance. And the Bible does speak about the dead rising Christ or separated from him in eternity in hell. But it says nothing about people being left behind on earth. Remember 2 Peter chapter 3? Go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. Remember in 2 Peter chapter 3? Remember 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10? Peter, he's an apostle. We need to believe him. Some people may say something else, but he said, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's simply just talking about a new economy or system of things. He's not saying that a new world is going to be created in a literal sense and we're all going to remain here. He's saying all this is going to be burned up. And this is why we need to make sure that we are ready, that we are prepared to be with him. That's what the Bible teaches pertaining to the return of Jesus. So this idea of left behind, my friend, is not in your Bible. And if you believe that that's the case, you have to show, where do you read that? It's not in the Word of God at all, and so therefore, it must be rejected. No one will be left behind. Now, somebody may say something else. Somebody may say, well, uh, what about the rule of Christ on earth? <clears throat> what about the rule of Christ on earth? And before we get to that, I want to just add something here, too. I may have left it out of one of my slides here. 
many times people talk about the Antichrist. Uh, when I was growing up, I always had this view about the Antichrist. Maybe it's because of the books I read or movies and things like that. But some guy in a dark coat, some dark trench coat, and, you know, he's going to stand in a pose. You know, all of that is good and things like that. There's so many different views that people have concerning the Antichrist and how he's going to terrorize the world and things like that. Well, what does the Bible say about the Antichrist? Well, the Bible actually says a lot about the Antichrist. Now, look at 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, and I want you to notice in verses 18 through 22, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, the Bible does say something about the Antichrist. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 18, the Bible says, John, an apostle, he said this, Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. So notice what he said. It's the last hour. And just as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. So this idea of Antichrist is not just one particular individual 2,000 years later or something like that. He said there are already many Antichrists that have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were really not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. And so he gives us this explanation of who the Antichrist or who those individuals will be. Those who deny that Jesus is the Christ, the one who denies the Father and the Son. And so the Bible does speak about the Antichrist or many Antichrists. And the point I want you to see is that John said there were already Antichrists there in the first century. And so again, this idea of this idea of being left behind in the rapture and the Antichrist rising up and, and this tribulation that people are going to experience and, and go through, that's simply, we don't find that in the scriptures. We do read about the Antichrist, but understanding what John has to say about it goes a long way. And so again, that's something really important. Now to the last one here, what about the rule of Christ on earth? Many have this belief that, that Jesus is going to return, and when he does return, he's going to establish a physical kingdom in Jerusalem. He's going to reign and rule for a thousand years. And many people often turn to the book of Revelation. Turn over to Revelation chapter 20. This is where many individuals get this idea. Now, as you're reading Revelation chapter 20, and we're not going to read all of this, we do find some very interesting things in Revelation chapter 20. We read about the dragon, the serpent of old, the devil, who is the devil and Satan, and how he's been bound for a thousand years. And we see Oh, and we see so many other things, Gog and Magog, and how Satan is going to be released from prison. And there's so many different views about Revelation. Now, the thing I want you all to take home with this, before you ever get to Revelation chapter 20, and here's what often happens. Many times, people often go to the book of Revelation before considering anything else and not remembering two basic fundamentals of Bible study, context and harmony. Context. 
that context and harmony are vital. And we can't just uh, read something into the text in Revelation and say, okay, well, this is what it says uh, about the return of Christ and then throw everything else out. And so we need to remember a couple of basic rules. Number one, remember what John said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1. He said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And so as you're reading this book and as those in the first century were reading it, He said the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it with his by his apostle or by his angel to his bond servant, John. And so he said, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. So he's given them a time marker here about the events that are about to occur and the things that are going to be written here in the the book of Revelation. When you go back to Revelation chapter 20, I think a great way to describe the uh, chapter 20 is that the people of God are being reminded that victory is, is going to be theirs. Uh, the people of God are being persecuted, and yet there's going to be a reminder that despite the persecution and the difficulties that they are facing, that God is with them and that they are going to be victorious through Jesus Christ. As John wrote about Satan and, and how after the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Remember we read about them in the book of Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, these enemies or wicked forces against the people of God to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil was de- who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Those verses there are helping us to see that the enemies of God are ultimately going to be defeated. And so when we look at Revelation chapter 20, I think this is helping us to see about helping us to see the victory of God's people and, and the martyred saints. And yet if we forget about the context and we forget about what's said in Revelation chapter 1 and this story that has actually taken place, then we're going to reach some faulty conclusions. What's interesting about Revelation chapter 20, you don't read anything about the Antichrist. Nothing is said about the Antichrist in Revelation chapter 20. And I don't believe there's anything mentioned about the Antichrist in the entire book of Revelation. And there's no mention of Jesus establishing a physical kingdom on earth in Jerusalem and reigning there for for a period of time. What's happened is that many have drawn this conclusion about the thousand years that we read about in Revelation chapter 20, and we need to understand that that language is figurative in nature, just as we think about the key and the pit and the chain that is also mentioned in Revelation chapter 20. And so to make all of these things literal is going to be a drastic mistake, and misunderstanding that is gonna, we're going to reach some conclusions that are going to be wrong in nature. And so this idea of Jesus establishing some rule, some uh, rule on earth uh, in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 uh, does not teach any such thing about that. It's more about the victory of God's people and the martyred saints. There's no mention of these things that are often depicted in the return of Jesus about this idea of Jesus coming on earth and reigning, in he- or reigning on earth for a long period of time. I've gone through that very quickly, but when you read all of Revelation chapter 20, 
I think there's a better understanding when you read the entire context and understand from other passages what is mentioned concerning the return of Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is, and we could spend we could spend an hour in Revelation chapter 20. We actually did a class, and we're teaching the New Testament epistles, and we'll be studying from the book of Revelation toward the end of the quarter. So we will touch on this again. But here's the truth of the matter. No one is going to be left behind. The question was, what's going to happen in the end, end times? What's going, to, what's going to happen? Well, we've seen that Jesus indeed is going to return. And we're either going to be with him for eternity or we're going to be eternally separated from him. And we've also seen very clearly that no one is going to be left behind. Christ is not going to return to earth to establish his reign in Jerusalem. Now, that is a very popular view. But my friends, as Sally is not taught in the word of God. There's not going to be one man who's this antichrist is going to terrorize the world or those left behind and things like that. When Jesus returns, there will be no one and nothing left behind because everything is going to be destroyed. Everything is going to be burned up and people will either go to heaven or people will go to hell. No one's going to be left behind. The earth, the universe will be destroyed. Nothing will be left. Make no mistake about it, my friends, Jesus will appear the second time one day. Jesus will appear one day. Do you really believe that? Do we believe that Jesus is going to return one day? It can be easy to believe on Sunday, and yet it can be hard throughout the week when we get back into the normal uh, things in our lives. But Jesus is going to return one day. And even though Jesus has ascended into heaven, even though he ascended into heaven a really long time ago, my friends, do not fall into the mistake of thinking, well, so much time has passed. I don't know. Maybe he will not return. You see, that's what Peter warned the saints in Second Peter chapter 3. In verse number 3, he said, Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. I'm sure many people never thought that that would happen in the days of Noah, but it did. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Judgment day is coming. Do we really believe that God is going to return? He is, and he's going to return like a thief in the night. Do you have your Monday already scheduled? I have my Wednesday scheduled. Do you have your Wednesday scheduled? And I know what I'm going to do Thursday. You have that scheduled as well? It's so easy to have everything planned for the entire week, even for the holidays. Hey, do you know what you're cooking for Thanksgiving? We will be here, so let me know. We may have to stop by. Have you already begun Christmas shopping? We make all these plans. But how do we know that any of these are even going to happen? The truth of the matter is Jesus could come back tonight. He could come back right now. No, that won't happen. Says who? We can tell ourselves certain things. We've got plenty of time. I got other things I got to get done before I leave this side of life. God knows, right? I got things I got to do. Well, how do you know he's not going to return tonight or tomorrow? We don't. This is why we need to be ready. 
And if you are banking on the fact that, well, if I don't get it right this time, I'll have another chance. Sure, I'll have to go through some tribulation and some difficult times. You're setting yourself up for failure. When he returns, all men are going to be judged. All things will be burned up. Those who are in Christ, what an amazing event that will be, will ascend, will be caught up in the air with him, to be with him for eternity. So it's just so hard to even fathom. That's what's going to happen. And even if we die before he returns. We have nothing to worry about. Because the dead will rise also. And the dead in Christ will rise. And will be with him. And so the question I want to leave with everyone tonight is. And I appreciate your attention. Will you. Will we. Be ready. It will happen. Make no mistake about it. It will happen. Let's make sure we're ready. If you're not ready, today's the day of salvation. We beg you. We urge you. We want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Don't believe it just because we're telling you to. Believe it because of the evidence. Believe it because of what the Bible says. And we want to urge you to be saved the way that Jesus says to be saved. Jesus said that you must believe in him. Otherwise, you'll be lost in your sins. Jesus said, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. I'm very emphatic about this. and I want to be very clear. I know sometimes people will be a little bit upset, but I want you to know that if we're going to be saved, we have to do it according to the way God says to be saved. And just as the rapture is so widespread, this idea of just saying this prayer and accepting Jesus in your heart, my friends, all you have to do is show me where you read that in the Bible. But you won't be able to because it's not in there. What is in there is where Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent and let every one of you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is that what you need to do tonight to be saved? We encourage you to do that if that is the case. Come now as we stand and sing.